And now let's open up the book of Acts, chapter 27. So I'm going to be reading from the NIV. And um, let's see if I can just set this back up here. And here we are. So, the NIV, and you can read along. We're going to look at Acts chapter 27, and it's going to be the whole chapter. So, um, yeah, let's see if I can get that. Good. All right. When it was decided, so I just want to put a little background. The Apostle Paul was, he was... um, arrested in Jerusalem, and there was a lot of big hubbub there, you know, he was arrested in Jerusalem, then he was brought to Caesarea, he was held there in the Roman prison for quite some time, several years, and then finally, um, the Roman, the Roman uh, governor there, he said, would you go back to Jerusalem to go on trial? And Paul said, no, I appeal to Caesar. So um, Paul was sent to Caesar. And uh, chapter 27 talks about the voyage to Rome, the the first part of the voyage to Rome. And um, so we're going to read the whole chapter. So let's just get into it. And it's an exciting story. And you'll see why I chose it in a few minutes. When it was decided... Verse 1, chapter 27 of the book of Acts. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. So um, just to make this clear, so if you're looking at the Mediterranean Sea and Israel's over here, they would have left the port of Caesarea, gone up the coast to Sidon, and then come come, uh, west and come over to Cyprus. And that's where they were passing right now, um, to the Lee of Cyprus. And But in Sidon, the centurion who's in charge of Paul, the centurion named Julius, pay attention to him. First in this, he, he's being kind to Paul, and he lets him go with his friends and get some, uh, gets, gets some they, they could provide for his needs there. So this centurion lets him go, and he, even though he's a prisoner, he goes to his friends, and then they get back on, on, on the boat, and they go out past Cyprus, heading, heading west toward Italy. And so they passed to the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us, it says. And pay attention that it says us. Luke, who wrote this book, was sailing with Paul. And so he, he was a prisoner, but he had his friends with him, you know. Um, at least Luke. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. So the centurion didn't have his own ship. He was going from ship to ship and bringing Paul with him, getting you know, buying passage on these different ships. 
And Alexandria is in Egypt, and in Alexandria they grew a lot of wheat. And so many people think this was a, a wheat ship that um, was carrying wheat to Rome because Rome had a, such a huge population, they had to bring in wheat from all over the, all over the world. So they find this ship sailing for Italy from Alexandria. They get on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Cnidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. When we moved, uh, sorry, we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lasia. Fair Havens is a small port in Crete, and even though it's called Fair Havens, it's not actually that great of a place to spend the winter. It's a small port, there's not a lot to do, and so they arrived there with difficulty. In verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast, the Yom, Yom Kippur, the fast of the Jewish people. So, so Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Now, it appears that Paul is just speaking out of his experience. If you read um, what Paul writes in other places, he talks about how he was shipwrecked several times. He had spent day and night on, on the open sea. And, um, and so... So, I got to move this over here so you can see Irene because she is getting too hot next to the fire. Anyway, um, let's just go like this for now. It's a little easier. We're not all fitting in. This is really hot. It's really thankful for that. Um, so, um, after Yom Kippur, Paul... Paul says, it just isn't worth it to travel after Yom Kippur. We're just going to get in a wreck, guys. I've done this before. This is not a good idea. But Paul is not the owner of the ship. And Paul is actually the prisoner. So what right does he have to say anything? So, so the centurion, instead of listening, that's Julius, the centurion, who had previously been kind to Paul, at this point just ignored Paul. And instead of listening to what Paul said, verse 11, following the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship, um, he followed their advice and not Paul's advice. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Phoenix is a really big harbor where you could enjoy the winter. And, you know, if you have to be locked up someplace for the winter, that it was much better to be in Phoenix than in Fair Havens. So, um, verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. That's why I chose this passage. It speaks about the Northeaster, and that's what we're experiencing right now in New England, right? A wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. Now, this probably didn't have snow uh, in, in the Mediterranean, but it swept down from the island of Crete, and the ship was caught by the storm 
and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Now, this risk that they took, it wasn't an unreasonable risk. They were going to just sail along the side of Crete, and they were going to go about a day's journey. It wasn't really that far, about a day's journey up the coast and get to this much better place. So they start off, they have this gentle wind, and then disaster strikes. This massive, massive northeaster, a wind of hurricane force, swept down from the island. And they lost control. Verse 16. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. So they're completely out of control. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We gave up all hope of being saved. These guys are in this ship. They don't even know if it's day or night. They can't tell what's happening around them. They're being driven they threw the ship's tackle overboard. They're trying to lighten the load to keep the ship up because it's in danger of being just uh, overthrown by the big waves. And they gave up hope. And see, you know, notice that he says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is Luke writing this. He himself said, we're not going to make it out of here. There's no chance. We're, we're, all, we're all going to die. That's what, that's what the feeling was on the ship. Just complete despair. Um, after the men, verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, and they were so, they were despairing of life, they just did not even eat. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Now, I have to think that Paul probably enjoyed saying that. You should have taken my advice. I told you so. You know, but, but also I think he's pointing out that, hey, you know what? Um, you didn't listen to my advice earlier. Now listen to my advice now because I was right then. So, so listen to what I have to say. He said, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now... I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God whose I God, last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you." So in the middle of this storm, we have Paul in the middle of this boat, in the middle of this storm. And, and Paul knew he had to go to Rome. He had to, he had to testify about his faith before Caesar. And God could have saved only Paul. He could have just somehow saved Paul. But he saved this whole entire ship of men. And I believe that Paul was asking for, for that, you know. 
on this boat, I believe that Paul was praying for those guys with him in the middle of the storm. And, and so the Lord graciously gave him. He gave him what, you know, when it says graciously given you, it implies that Paul was asking for the lives of all who sail with you. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So Paul is, Paul is trying to encourage these guys and saying, look, it's a very bleak situation. Yes, but the Lord spoke to me and he's going to save all of our lives. There's a way for us all to be saved and the Lord is going to do it. Even though we don't know what that way is, we probably need to run aground on some island. But keep up your courage. Verse 27, on the 14th night we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. So, so that's like where you let down a rope and you're trying to figure out how close you are to land. And the, the sailors, they'd been on the sea for a long time. They kind of had this feeling, we're kind of getting close to land. They had, they had that sec, you know, the, the sixth sense, that, that extra, they just, they just knew somehow. They start checking the, the, the soundings and they're getting closer. Verse 29, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. So the sailors, they're, they're going, you know, there's no way we're all going to be saved, but we can save ourselves. Let's just get in the lifeboat and leave these other guys behind. But Paul in verse 31, says to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the rope that held the lifeboat and let it fall away, probably making the sailors quite angry, but saving the lives of everyone else on the ship. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food, you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all, and he broke it and began to eat. I mean, can you imagine this this picture? You have everyone not eating in constant suspense, you know, in fear, despair. Paul tries to encourage them. They don't quite internalize it yet. But then Paul says, you know what, guys, be encouraged. Let's eat. We're going to all make it through this. We're all going to live. And he breaks that bread and just blesses it in front of them, kind of almost like a communion, and, and begins to eat. Verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. So actually the ship's the ship's, you know, last grain, they said, okay, we're, Paul, if you're right, then you're right, and, and we'll, throw, we'll throw all the last stuff we have in here into the sea. Verse 39, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted, for, hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship 
struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. So you have this boat, this large ship, 276 people aboard, sh shooting toward the coastline as fast as they can, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> you hit the sandbar. And, and, you know, I can just imagine, after everything, you have this hope of, of, of the, sand, the, the, the beach in sight, and slam, you hit the sandbar. One more thing keeping us from getting to, to safety, you know. Um, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. So the ship got stuck, and the waves were just crashing against the back of the boat, the stern, and, and just breaking it to bits. So they can't stay there. They have to get off. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners. Verse 42. Look at this. Here's Paul. He saved the soldiers' lives before. When said, hey, don't let those sailors leave. And, and he's been encouraging them this whole time. And verse 42. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Now, the reason they were going to do that is because if, some, if a prisoner was condemned to die, and a soldier let them escape, that soldier would have to pay the penalty that the prisoner would have had to pay. So if, if, the, sol if the prisoner was going to uh, pay the death sentence, the soldier would be killed for letting that prisoner escape. In any case, um, the centurion now really valued Paul at this point. In verse 43, the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. And that is the end of the chapter. So in this story, we have this crazy storm. And um, people are afraid. People are in despair. They stop eating. They're just not sure what's going to happen next. And God uses this one guy, Paul, to encourage everyone and to strengthen them. And in the end, everyone's life is saved. Um, I just have to see this as an example of how a Christian lives, a Christian person who follows Jesus lives in the midst of a storm, praying praying for the lives of those who are with him, encouraging people to, to keep up your courage, man. I have faith in God. Being an example of peace. He's sitting there eating bread. You know, I can just picture this. Sitting there eating bread. This is really good, you guys. You ought to have some, you know. And, and uh, just in, uh, lightening people's hearts. As, as these guys are trying to lighten the sea, lighten the ship so that it will survive through the sea, that... Their hearts were lightened, you know, through, by this example, by this man of faith. And in the end, you see this transformation. In the beginning, the centurion, he, he sort of was being nice to Paul. Then he ignored Paul's advice. But by the end, he wants to save Paul's life and, and, and uh, bring him safely along the way. And, and then everyone reached land, safety, safe, land safely as the Lord had told Paul. And so, um, you know, we're in the midst of a physical storm uh, right now in the Northeast United States. Um, 
and we're in the midst of a pandemic storm that's been going on for quite some time. And with, with everything adding together, sometimes we can feel like, oh, you know, one more thing. So here's, you know, here's Paul after all the stuff that he's been through and, and now the soldiers, you know, you can see the shore and then the soldiers come, are, are, we're gonna, now we're going to kill you, <laughs> you know, you're not going to make it. But even then, God protected him. And so I just want to encourage you to have faith in the storm. And as we move through the storm as believers, believers in Jesus, people who have faith in God, are we asking God for those people around us? Are we asking for the lives of those people around us? Are we sharing that peace in the storm that God can give to us? Um, you know, Jesus is the peace in the storm. And so as a, as a Christian in the middle of, of the storm, Paul was able to be at peace, trusting, having faith in Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I just I love that. So in our own lives, it's been very interesting. The last few months we, we came to the United States and we thought we'd be here for about five weeks. Um, then we had to move that out because a bunch of us got COVID and we had to stay. And uh, we, so we've been here longer than we thought. Uh, you know, many different things had to change along the way, but there were so many different miracles. So I was thinking about the owner of that ship. The owner, when he's on the shore, right? After he reaches the shore, he could just start complaining about all of the things that he lost. He lost, he lost his, his whole cargo that was probably going to bankrupt him, you know. Um, but he also could just look at and be thankful for the things that God had given him, his life. And, uh, and so, um, you know, thinking about that perspective, as we go through these storms, can we see what God has done for us? And so, like, the Lord provided for us a place to stay here in North Kingstown. He provided a place, he provided a vehicle for us that, that someone generously let us use for this entire period that we've been here. We've just been protected in, in so many ways. And um, it's been beautiful to be here and be able to, to hang out with some of you guys a little bit. And now we need to go back to Israel we have some challenges along the way that we might, you know, who knows what will happen. We have to still get a few Corona tests in order, like COVID tests to be able to get on the plane. We need to, um, we need to get some permissions from the Israeli uh, government to get on the plane, um, which I think we should get. It should be fine, but we'd love you to pray for us. And as, as we go through all these different storms in life, you know, we, we need each other. And I think that's beautiful that Luke was there with Paul in the middle of the, of the storm, in the middle of the, the, his imprisonment. So, um, yeah, so we, we really are thankful. We've been, we've been able to be here in the U.S. with you and, uh, and share some of these moments. And we're going to be out enjoying the snowstorm. So I sure hope that you will as well go out and enjoy with your family and, uh, and play around in the snow. 
We'd like to sing one last song together, and I'm going to ask the kids to come join me again, and Irene, and we're going to sing one more song. It's a song that we wrote, and it talks about being a light in the uh, in in the world around us, and um, yeah, let's see if we can get this set up. Is everybody in there? Mm-hmm. All right. You guys enjoying? Have you enjoyed being in Israel, in the, in America, guys? Yes. Yes. Are you ready to go back? Yes. Back to America. Back to Israel. Yes, I'm ready. What is the thing you miss most about Israel? My friends. My friends. What else? My bed. My bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to say something, darling? It's been really nice to be there. As much as we are excited about the snow, we would have loved to be there in person to see you and give you one last hug and um, pray with you. And um, we love you. Thanks for being part of our lives. What do you miss about Israel, Zeb? Uh, my friends and all the good people there and our church. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to head back. But we know that you guys are here praying for us, so it means a lot. Anyway, this song, The Light of the World. So much suffering all around us Like an ever-growing wave so thirsty for you people dying still empty you send us out to brave the darkness you put your light into our hearts you never leave us oh Lord Jesus won't forsake us in the dark Cause you are the light of the world The only way to the Father You satisfy our thirst With your living water oh, You are the light of the world The only way to the Father Take us in the dark.
Pray that your light would overflow through us in the places we are this coming week and throughout 2022. Lord, we pray that you would just um, use us. We want to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Hey, we love you guys. See you soon. Have a great week.